High FM, 101.9 megahertz of life. Time has gone 8.34 and uh, over the last few days we've been talking about, you know, what's been happening in our parliament where we've had this parliamentarian, his party has two seats in parliament and uh, he's calling for, you know, bloodshed of, of Zionists. Uh, one thing that he said is that you will not turn South Africa into a Jewish state or the Cape into a Jewish state. I can't remember which he was referring to. And I just keep thinking that as Jewish people, we need to also remember, and I'm not saying that he was right, don't get me wrong, but I think that all too often we forget that we are just meant to be sojourning in the land, which is why we're called diaspora Jews. Um, but I could be completely wrong. So I thought, well, let's get hold of uh, Rabbi Ken Spiro. He knows far better than I do. And let's have that conversation because I am open to learning. Ra- good morning, Rabbi Spiro. How are you? Morning, Kathy. I'm good. How are you? Very well, thank you. Very happy to be speaking to you. And thank you so much for the time. So the status of, of the Jew in the diaspora. What is the, what is the biblical, the Torah view so, I mean, there's, there's really, you know, most things in Judaism, there's a debate on. In my opinion, there is zero debate. It's so explicitly stated that we are a unique nation with a unique mission. And the way I explain it, it's kind of like I, South Africa is a great country to use as an example. You guys have the, a really interesting wall outlet. Yeah. If you want to use an appliance in South Africa, you got to buy that special adapter, which allows the appliance to function. We're a very unique appliance. The only outlet that we can plug into that allows us to achieve our unique mission in this world, which we have, which is to be a nation that's a light to nations, to connect the world to God and absolute morality is the land of Israel, the only place where we can do what we need to do in this world. And the, the earliest promises made to, you know, our great, great grandfather, Abraham, the proto-Jew, the grandfather of all of us is, you know, the Zara Tenet Arazazot, the to this land, I will, to this, to your seed, I will give this land. And so we're told over and over again, it's the fulfillment of all of early Jewish history is to come go from a family to a nation, to receive the Torah, which is the software, and then to plug into that outlet, which is the land of Israel. And so, but we got to appreciate that there's, I always say there's the way it is and the way it ought to be. You know, the way it is is all the Jewish people should, the way it ought to be is all Jewish people should be living in the land of Israel. We are a unique nation. Anywhere we live outside the land of Israel, you said correctly, we are sojourning. We doesn't mean we can't stay there for a long time. It doesn't mean we can't prosper for a period of time and be comfortable for there for a period of time. But long term, there is no long term future for the Jewish people. You know, if there's a God who runs the world, this is very clear, and it's pretty clear from Jewish history, there's a God who runs this world, that we have to be back in the land of Israel. Right. Is, as you said correctly, why it's called the diaspora. And also, we have to appreciate, this is another thing that people don't get, living outside the land of Israel is a punishment. And I'm not saying people are guilty of living outside the land of Israel, of doing something today, but historically, in hindsight, how do you get to places like Joburg and New York and Los Angeles and, and Toronto? It's because we disobeyed, we broke our side of a contractual agreement. And the punishment is, you know, God threw us out of our land. We were, we were, we were sent into diaspora, we were exiled. Can God we say not broke, someone. not broke, Sorry? we were in breach of. 
Because if we we, broke, yeah, we well we, we violated we violated our mm-hmm. side of the agreement exactly right. the second paragraph of the Shema God says you know Vahoyim Shema Tishmu if you if you keep your side of the bargain I'll keep mine the rain will fall the crops will grow your your enemy you won't be attacked you'll live in peace and if not you'll get drought and you'll get exile and you'll be small so and we hated. have to recognize <laughs> yeah. sorry yeah it, it's a punishment <laughs> now sometimes that exile can get very very comfortable. And in modern history, post-Holocaust, I mean, modern Jewish history is hundreds of years long, but since post-Holocaust, we had a breather because, you know, the exile and the redemption is always like, is always referred to as a woman giving birth contractions. We get intense things like a Holocaust, which kind of shut down a lot of Jewish history in Eastern Europe, which is where Jews were highly, the most concentrated in the world. And then you get a contraction in the 1990s, you know, with the collapse of the Soviet Union, you get a mass exodus of Jews from there. The fact that, you know, a half of 1% of the Jews in the world lived in the land of Israel in 1900, and today half the Jews in the world live in the land of Israel, which is three times more than the growth of the world's population in terms of it's over 1,100% increase in the population of Israel, is clearly a sign that, you know, the diaspora is shutting down. And the fact that whole areas of the world that had very huge Jewish populations no longer do is another sign of that. So, and we see that happening now it very clearly with, you know, I'm not a prophet. I always say if I was, I'd be working in the stock exchange, <laughs> but it's pretty clear for me. And, it's, and you can't understand history as you're going through it. But what happened on October 7th and the reaction of the world to that is another great example. By the way, I mean, I don't want to scare people, but it's pretty clear to me. And I heard, I was listening to the broadcast, whoever your previous guest, that, um, you know, the South African, I was in South Africa in the end of October and October, November on a speaking tour and they had a big anti-Israel rally, people driving through the Jewish neighborhoods like Glenn Hazel. Um, it's pretty clear to me. And the same thing in America where, where anti-Semitism has gone up by 360% that we're in the middle of a very significant contraction and that uh, we're being told we, we need to come home and this is the way because diaspora could be so comfortable, it's hard to get us to move. And unfortunately, the harder it is to get us to move, the more of the bucket of water in our face we have has to get thrown in order to get us to move. So sort of the heat is being turned up on us to return home. God gave us a land going back to 1948. He gave us Jerusalem in 1967. And he wants his children back. There's no question as to when we have to get home. Do every single Jew in the world have to be there? These are things I do not know. But it's pretty clear to me. I don't think it's ambiguous at all. Are you looking at history through the eyes of prophecy as well? Because I'm looking and I'm seeing United Nations. You've got all these nations against Israel. Um, I'm looking at the ICJ. I'm looking at the World Court. I'm looking at all these different entities. Um, I'm looking at what is happening with UNRWA, you know, and how people are so ready to believe what, you know, even though you've got you've got two parties, the one comes with evidence, the other one comes with allegations, and everybody's believing the one with allegations because apparently terrorists don't lie. They might kill people, they might maim, they might rape, they might kidnap, but they don't lie. Um, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking one of the prophecies is that Israel will be on her knees. Israel will be, the entire world will be against Israel. And I'm seeing we are getting closer and closer and closer to that. At the same time, I'm also seeing how many people around the world are making aliyah. And that also has implications. I was actually explaining to my my producer, Harry, 
yesterday. It said, like, when the majority of the Jews are living in the land of Israel, it triggers Armageddon. Now, Armageddon could be something good, like all prophecies. It could be something that is positive, or it could be something negative. We can always change a negative positive, um, a negative prophecy to a positive po- prophecy. I mean, are you looking at all of these different elements, uh, uh, you know, from prophecy, from from uh, biblical history? A hundred percent. First of all, from you know, I'm a historian primarily, yes. and you know, there's an idea that. That the actions of the fathers are assigned to the children. That what happens in the beginning of the story is the pattern for what will repeat itself throughout history. And we've seen that from whether it's the Exodus narrative of ending up in the last land of Israel as our destination, or the you know the promises in every generation of early Jewish history that you know the land of Israel will be our homeland, and it's the only place where we are really the indigenous population that can that can survive and thrive in that one place and actualize our mission, absolutely. And it's also clear from the end of days prophecies in Ezekiel and Zechariah, the wars of Gog and Magog, which is this uh, prophesied kind of end of days final struggle where the exact details, who are these people, Meshech and Tuval, Gog, Magog, we're not sure of those details as much rabbinic discussion, but what's very, very clear from reading the, these prophecies is the nations of the world are basically going to line up against the Jewish people and to try and stop us in our mission is, you know, and, and part of that is the return to the land of Israel. Just, just to read you a really quick quote, this is from Rabbi Moshe Cordovero, who is a great Kabbalistic rabbi, author of many important books like Tomar Devora, who lived in, ended up living in Sfat in the 16th century. And he's commenting on the Zohar, which is this book of Jewish mysticism, which was written by Rabbi Shimon Bar Yochai 2000 years ago, a very esoteric commentary on the Bible. And listen to what he says, and he's saying this 500 years ago. He says, all the nations will ready themselves, he's talking about against Jerusalem, and make peace amongst themselves. They will turn against Israel to annihilate it for having established its own government. It will be a time of distress for Yaakov, yet they will not collapse but be saved from their distress. I mean, this could be the front page headlines of any newspaper in the world today. We're in Israel feeling very uncomfortable. We're in a very difficult situation, a war that's lasted since October 7th. And around the world, Jews are in stress everywhere. The amount of hatred that's coming out of the, oozing out of the woodwork openly, the, the veneer of it has to do with Israel's treatment of the Palestinians in a war that we didn't start, in a brutal attack that immediately morphs into gassing Jews and people with swastika posters and, and ending Israel. There's, come on. You really have to be in, not denial, but denial, not to see that very big wheels are turning and it's pretty obvious which direction they're going in. Yeah, you know, sometimes we just zoom in and we get involved in the minutia and the he said, she said, when in fact what we really need to be doing is zooming out and looking at the much, much bigger picture of, uh, of what's happening. Um, all right, so Yvonne has got a comment. She says, oh gosh, Kathy, both of you and the rabbi sound like you're both talking straight from the Bible. And that's from Yvonne. Well, certainly the rabbi is. <laughs> Thanks, Yvonne. Uh, Gail says, does every Jew want to return to Israel? I'm struggling to really understand the harshness of this prophe- prophecy. What's your thought, rabbi? So first of all, no, every Jew does not want to return to Israel. There are, the, to the extent that a Jew is connected Jewishly, by the way, there's, there's lots of Jews living who are religious, very knowledgeable Jews who are very comfortable living in diaspora. 
I always jokingly say that there's, there's places around the world like Lakewood, New Jersey, which has a, a huge or very, you know, very great Orthodox Jewish community in terms of learning and community and schools and food. I always say jokingly, they're going to be some of the people most surprised when the Messiah shows up. I have to I have to move back there because it's not necessarily a byproduct of 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 your connection. Obviously, any person who, who knows the Bible well, is well educated in their Jewish education, knows the Jewish people's historical connection, the importance of the land of Israel, the fact that a huge percentage of the positive commandments in the Torah could only be fulfilled when we're in the land of Israel, A, and B, and we have a temple in Jerusalem. That's another thing, that gold dome on the Temple Mount is also, it's its a punishment. It shouldn't be there. There should be a temple there, and we should all be there. But um, will all Jews, you know, so there's Jews who know we should be there, who maybe don't want to go back there. They'll own a house there, they'll visit, but they are not going to go unless they're absolutely forced to go. And there's a lot of Jews, unfortunately, in this world who just are not connected, don't even know who they are Jewishly, what the Jewish people is. Does that mean I eat bagels, locks, and cream cheese? What does that mean? I feel guilty, I have to be a doctor. When you, when, when, when a Jew can... properly understands who we are and what our mission is in this world collectively and understands the centrality of the land of Israel as part of our, our mission and as the only place where we can fulfill those commandments and achieve our potential individually and collectively, then they wanna be in the land of Israel. What's the job of every Jew living in diaspora? is to work on the desire to do that, even if they're not at this moment capable of doing it, uh, to recognize that there's only two kinds of Jews in this world. There's those that live in Israel and those that will be living in Israel. Does that mean that every Jew is going to get back? I don't know. These are details I don't know. But there's no question, in my opinion, there's no debate on this. There's no alternative opinion on this. And I understand the difficulty people, especially in a place like South Africa, where the Rand is not doing so great, your beautiful house, you know, if you to sell it, it would be very hard to buy anything in the land of Israel. So I, I see it so completely totally differently, Rabbi. Rabbi Spiro, I mean, this this is something that I that I struggle with, is that you know you can only fulfill your mission as a Jew when you're in the land of Israel. I'm seeing God's commandment to the Jews to be a light into the nation. It's very easy to be a tzaddik behind the walls of a yeshiva, but when you get out into the world and you actually start engaging with humanity and helping where you can help and build where you build and starting philanthropic projects and doing outreach, that's a big part of the mission of being a light into the nation and uplifting those around you, which is also part of our mission, right? So that's that's something that I, that I really struggle with is that we can only be um, fulfilling our role you know if I look at South Africa and I was having this conversation with, with somebody a, about a week ago and I was just saying you know in South Africa the Jewish community was so involved in uplifting um, you know especially like the black and colored communities in South Africa during apartheid and it continued and then came the Baal Chuva movement now I'm a Baal Chuva I'm a Jew who has returned to observance um, but the Bal, but the the Balshua movement, which is a worldwide movement, actually stopped the majority of these outreach programs. And and I'm trying, I'm personally grappling with that. Right. So first of all, not, you have to distinguish between not about being a good Jew or a bad Jew. God forbid, you know, you could be a good Jew in the. <laughs> in South Africa or anywhere else in the world. And being a role model is a mission that's for the Jewish people everywhere. 
you know, when we live in diaspora, this is so important. I'm always, this is the thing I go, I, I use the word crusade. I'm going to crusade about is that a lot of the religious Jewish world, I believe, has also lost track. The purpose of being Jewish is is not Torah and mitzvot. Torah and mitzvot are the system whereby there's, there's no Jewish people without it. That's the guidance system, the rock, yes. the fuel, and the payload of Judaism. 100%. But the means to an end, the ends of the Jewish people is to do Kiddush Hashem. And that's a separate thing from living in the land of Israel. You know, a Jew, a Jew who represents who looks Jewish, whoever identifies as a Jew, has the opportunity every day to live and act in a way that inspires other people. Our mission is not about converting or conquering the world. It's about being, as I say, the God squad, that unique nation that has unique system, the perfect system given by the perfect being, which allows us, wherever we live, to be a role model for the world. It's in our Jewish spiritual DNA to always try and fix the world, which is why people like, you know, Helen, Ellen Sussman, Joe Slovy are talking about South Africa, the civil rights movement in America. We're always doing tikkun olam. I always say we have Jews for every ism but Judaism sometimes. And yes. while a lot of these causes are great things, some of them are antithetical to the Jewish worldview, by the way. But that's a separate issue. Ultimately, the way we're supposed to be a light to nations is to be, create a nation that's a light to nations. People are supposed to look at us and say, look at those Jews, look at the, how they live, look at their families, how they do business. Aren't look we already that? Look at that little country. But right, aren't we already a nation? Country. We are already a nation, absolutely. But we're not in the land of Israel. We're a nation that is moving towards being a nation that that runs on like the Torah software. We still have a lot of Jewish values within modern Israel and within the Jewish souls that that live in, and run the country for sure. But it's we're still very far from where we're supposed to be. It's not just move back to Israel and everything's great. In the land of Israel, we're supposed to live as one nation with a specific system called the Torah, which is a holistic system on every level it works, on the spiritual, on the metaphysical, on the physical, on the personal, on the collective level, to enable us to create a country and communities within the land of Israel that are the ideal ideal role model for the world. That's how we're supposed to change the world. And while we've certainly done that, and you know, all of human history, Kathy, is a great interplay between human free will on an individual and collective level and God. And one way or another, we have to accomplish our mission. There's a famous statement in, in Navi, in the prophets. God says, I'll scatter you amongst the nations like a farmer scatters seed. So seed is always viewed as positive because out of seed, things grow. So if we're not going to get the world to come to us, which was the ideal way we should have done it, as we say in Hebrew, then God's going to send us out to the world. Every, every cloud has a silver lining. The negative side of, of diasporas, it's a punishment we've got being thrown out of one place into another place and suffering persecution and sometimes slaughter. But the positive side is it allowed us, you know, way before internet where you can impact the world, sitting in your own little office somewhere in a little corner, it allowed us over thousands of years to seed the world with Jewish ideas that have transformed humanity, whether it's through offshoot faiths that have brought the world to one God or the creation of modern liberal democracy which is largely based on Jewish values and Jewish ideas and a Jewish vision. But that's kind of like the post facto non-ideal way of doing it. And we paid a very heavy price for that. It's taken us a very long time. and We've lost a lot of our people through either literally being killed out or, or assimilating because we have not been able to stay in our land and maintain our own unique special identity. So for sure, Jewish people around the world, we've done incredible things, the Baal movement, but the end game is always, we have to always keep the end game in mind, never get lost in the details, but the end game is always Jewish people with Jewish software, which is the Torah, living in the land of Israel, being balanced Jews, 
not forgetting our mission to the world, but also remembering our relationship with God. That's the key for the Jewish people today, because the Jewish world is extremely unbalanced. And creating that nation that's a light to nations and its national homeland, that will be the role model. And trust me, if we get it right, there'll be some initial pushback, which is what you've been seeing. But eventually the world will line up behind us and follow us. I always say, Kathy, is that famous quote, imitation is the highest form of flattery. Everyone yes. knows that quote. I always yes. tell people that's the shortest class you ever got on Christianity and liberal democracy. If it wasn't for us doing it better, even in diaspora, mm-hmm. with better community infrastructure and better rates of literacy and just doing it better, despite all our faults and failings, the world would not have changed the way it has changed, for sure. So we have to always keep the long view in mind and see that big picture and keep the end game most importantly in line. Rabbi Spiro, thank you, thank you, thank you, not only for what you do and what you have done, but for the role that you played in me returning and learning about the history of my people, which I had no clue about. I have listened to your history series hundreds of times, and uh, if you want to actually access Rabbi Spiro's history series that we play here on Chai FM, get to Ken Spiro. Dot com, and uh, you'll hear all of his talks there. He's absolutely brilliant. And um, Benjamin Devet says, "Dear Kathy, wow!" and exclamation marks. Rabbi Ken Spiro on the radio. Good move, young lady. <laughs> Listen, you called me young lady. You, you're a keeper. <laughs> he says, uh, "I've been a long time big fan of his, as are we all." Rabbi Spiro, thank you very, very much. I wish you a safe day, and to you and your family. Yeah, and thank you so much for everything that you do. Always a pleasure. Always a pleasure. And I wish everyone in South Africa should stay safe and come home soon. And we should hear good news for the Jewish people. In the meantime, we'll listen to you. Thank you so much. That's Rabbi Ken Spiro. Uh, once again, his uh, website, you can go and access all of the audio there. It's kenspiro.com.